This is Life Between Classes, where we talk about what's going on in your life and in your mind between classes. Hello, my beautiful podcast listeners. Welcome to Life Between Classes. I'm Holly. I'm a Spanish professor. And today I am excited to bring you a conversation I had with a colleague of mine on the topic of mindfulness. You may have heard this term before, but do you know all of the benefits that mindfulness offers us in stress reduction, focus, energy, and overall well-being? Well, this is what Lynn and I are talking about today. So before we dive into the conversation, let me just tell you a little bit of the backstory to this. Lynn and I were both professors at the same university, but we actually just met for the first time a few weeks ago for a completely different reason, not, not even related to the podcast. She is a law professor, and I reached out to her because I am working on starting a nonprofit organization, and she happens to be the professor who teaches nonprofit law uh, at the law school at our university. So we met to talk about that, but it turns out we actually have a lot of other similar interests and uh, shared passions. One of the topics that came up in our conversation was mindfulness. It just so happens that Lynn, in addition to teaching law and directing the academic support program in the law school, she's also simultaneously pursuing a master's in educational psychology. So mindfulness came up because that's where her research focuses. And after we talked the other day, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about how mindfulness could be a really great topic right now, especially if you're listening to this in real time, you know, soon after it comes out. And especially if you're a university student who doesn't get a spring break this semester, mindfulness can be a really great tool to help us recharge on almost like a moment to moment basis, or at least on a day to day basis when we don't have the luxury of taking a full week to disconnect and to recharge our batteries. Mindfulness can really help us find the energy and the focus to continue on with our with our classes, with our obligations, even when we're beginning to feel burnt out. So in this conversation, we're going to talk about different strategies and ways of practicing mindfulness, some of the research um, regarding the benefits of mindfulness, and then we end with a brief mindfulness meditation. So if you're feeling tired or stressed out or burnt out, then stick around and you'll find out how mindfulness can be of service to you. Okay, so let's dive right in. So today we're here to talk about mindfulness. Why don't we just get going with a brief idea of what is mindfulness? You know, I think a lot of people have maybe heard the term before, tossed around, but maybe don't have a clear uh, idea of what that really refers to. Right, it's definitely a talking point these days. in all sorts of different settings. But what I have learned is that mindfulness is really about paying attention in a systematic way. So everything we do kind of starts with an intention, whether it's a thought, a small movement, a breeze, something starts with that, and then it can move into this full-blown action. And most of our lives, we're on this autopilot. With practicing mindfulness, we are really recognizing and kind of cultivating our intention. Mm. It's moving through pausing in those autopilot moments to recognize where we are, bring our minds back, 
breath back, presence back. Mm -hmm. John Kabat-Zinn, one of the leading scholars on mindfulness-based stress reduction, calls it presence of heart is what his definition boils down to. And one of the one of the places that I've learned more about mindfulness from is the Greater Good Science Center out of Berkeley, mm-hmm. and they maintain that mindfulness is this moment by moment awareness of your thoughts, feelings, body sensations, environment, with a non judgmental type of lens. Okay. So you're not critiquing it, and you're not carrying the thoughts with you. You're just observing. You're almost your own observer of Uh your thoughts going through your mind. So my biggest takeaway in the definition I've boiled down to is that mindfulness is recognizing and cultivating intention. Recognizing and cultivating intention. Okay. Some of the things that jumped out at me in in that were uh, the word awareness, Mm -hmm. presence, Mm -hmm. and non-judgment. Correct. I hadn't really (laughs) considered how that would relate to mindfulness, but I think if we're if it's all about being fully present in the moment and aware of our surroundings, then if we're fully present, how can we also be judging Correct. while we're observing and experiencing? Right, we're not there to critique it. We're just there to be a good listener, be a good observer to ourselves. And so when we do that with our friends and loved ones, we aren't in that moment judging if we're fully present, and we should be that with ourselves and our own actions and thoughts and breath. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go. (laughs) But thanks, that's a a great general, like, basic definition Mm -hmm. for us and our listeners. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into mindfulness? How did this even come on your radar? Um, And, and like, does it relate to your current job and your background and that sort of thing? Right, absolutely. This, um, it's a bit of a long story because I do feel like it's um, a journey and been a started and it will not end. It will continue to be a journey for the rest of my life. So really just over 10 years ago now is when I started being much more self-aware about what I wanted to be and the presence I was holding in space and in this world. I was the mom of two young daughters, a wife, and I kind of just lost myself. And Mm I um, started into some serious depression Mm -hmm. in that time and really trying to figure out ways. I, I knew the tools. I have a brain and I can analyze things and step through, but I needed to really pause is what I did as a mother. And I took some steps back to just say, who am I and what do I want to be? Because I had started down a path and looking in the mirror of like, who is this person? Mm. (laughs) I don't recognize this woman. She's about to turn 40 Mm. and she's not who she would have expected to be. Mm-hmm, which I imagine can so, happen when we let ourselves run on autopilot for an exactly. extended period of time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, upon reflection, of course, mm-hmm. I noticed these periods in my life where I was much more self-aware, present, acting with that intention. Mm-hmm. And I could also reflect and see when I started not to, and when I started developing into that autopilot, mm-hmm. expectations of the world, family, mm-hmm. education, all of those expectations that might not have been for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take that pause and just really, I started into some yoga and getting myself into a healthy physical place mm-hmm. to um get my brain into a better mind space. At the same time, my daughters were growing and my career was moving into full speed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) And so, but I was able to learn from being a mother Mm -hmm. and learn from being a teacher that seeing some of my traits that I valued and some of the things I didn't value in myself 
reflected back to me from my kids and my students. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every every person in our lives can actually be a mirror. Correct. <laughs> so yes, dangerously so sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when it's your daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so. I was just able to learn from that at that point. So cultivating that in my career was very helpful. It was very helpful for me as an educator. Um, I think very impactful with connections and relationship building to be able to start acting with intention. And as an educator, I started reading more about it for my students because at the same time with them, I started seeing more stress. Mm -hmm. These young adults moving into figuring out themselves. And at the same time, I was like, okay, I'm really getting some good tools here that I can share. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing that in positive ways in just personal relationships with students and their success. Wow. So it's really cool that you discovered mindfulness through your own personal journey and in your personal life um, with yourself and your family, and then you were able to see an application in your professional life as well. Absolutely. And share that with students, which is kind of you know one of the reasons why we're here talking right. about it today, because <laughs> we are both dedicated educators right. that have come across things like mindfulness that we see uh, the benefits of. Right. What are some of the benefits of mindfulness for you personally? What have you noticed in your life? And kind of if you could share with us a little bit about what research is out there showing benefits on a more general level. Okay, for myself, when I'll start personally, because unfortunately I do like to talk about that, um, or fortunately. It's not unfortunate. (laughs) We love personal anecdotes here. We're all real people. (laughs) For me, it has really made me a better mother and professional. It's Mm -hmm. made me a better listener, better communicator. It's had me pause and really be more grateful and grounded and not caught up in things that are temporary, um, really more into long-term life-giving things, Mm -hmm. which has helped me definitely personally uh, with my family and then professionally with students, the connection. I know that we've talked about that before is that's our favorite thing about this education is the connection we have with students. It's it's beautiful and we can see it in their, um, the way that they move through the world Mm -hmm. and the way that they touch other people. The ripple effect. Yes, it's beautiful. It makes me very happy. So that is something that has come from this, where I'm just aware. Mm -hmm. I'm aware, and I can notice it. Um, it's sure. kind of, it's almost like waking up almost from like a, a veil yes. of, I don't know what, just a... It's a fog. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. And then when you kind of come into this awareness uh, and, and just like, like you said, the pause and noticing, noticing how you're carrying yourself, what, what kind of energy mm-hmm. you're carrying that day, where your thoughts are going, but also noticing the very physical things going on around you. Right. It, it does make such a difference. Right. Um, that reminds me of a story my daughter, when she got glasses in the third grade, we were driving home from the eye doctor and she was like, oh my goodness, trees have leaves. Uh, and that's a little bit like when you have some pause for clarity. And that doesn't mean I'm perfectly clear all the time, mind you. Of course. But, <laughs> but I do beings. have the strategies and tools to be able to pause and uh-huh. get back to that clarity right. that she experienced as a third grader seeing yeah. leaves. Yeah. For, that's so funny that you mentioned that for me. Um, when I got glasses for the first time, probably around the same age, you know, third grade-ish, uh, that afternoon it snowed for the oh, first time wow. in the season. And mm-hmm. I remember my eye, my eye doctor said, now you're going to go outside. And, and see the snow in, in a whole different way mm-hmm. and it was true and yes. I still to this day remember that sensation right. of clarity and just appreciating mm-hmm. snow in such a new way right and your sight was there for a pause so mm-hmm. actually when we finish up our conversation one of the things I'll talk about is going through your senses mm. that brings you back into that presence very cool okay. 
I'm curious to know what research shows us in this, and if there is an existing body, I assume there that, is. You know, we're, there we're is an of... existing body of um, quantitative and qualitative research okay. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned John Kabat-Zinn. He's one of the first that brought it. He's a medical doctor mm-hmm. at UMass and brought in the mindfulness-based stress reduction approach. Okay. This was in the 1970-ish. Okay. Um, and then over the course of about 20 years, this study really came together about the benefits of st- for stress reduction, mm-hmm. mindfulness practices to benefit stress reduction. Mm-hmm. And with that, of course, since you know 40 years, 50 years later, studies have um, gone into changes in your brain. Cognition is very popular to be studied right now and the effects of different types of manipulation on the brain. One of those is mindfulness practices Mm -hmm. and how the neuroscience shows the gray matter in your brain is literally changed when you practice different types of mindfulness. Wow. (laughs) Which is really cool. And it affects your memory. I think there's a study right now going on with Alzheimer's and mindfulness, Mm -hmm. um, which will be an interesting study to see. Attention skills, obviously, that plays a role in education. Huge, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Focus, I know um, ADHD and things like that with some strategies and how mindfulness practices can help um, with that type of thing. It's good for business or good for my education. I'm teaching law students, so um, good for lawyering, (laughs) for advocacy, because you're present, you're aware, you're listening, you're better mm-hmm. skilled at navigating through hard conversations mm-hmm. um, when you are present and aware the entire time. Yeah, as opposed to when you're in a state of acute stress, you're often like lost in your thoughts and the worry and the what if. So it's almost like you're living in sort of a future Correct. potentiality rather than being fully in the moment right. and you know, in the conversation that you're having or what's going on around you. Right, and I'm one that struggles with depression and anxiety, so I'm mm-hmm. looking at the past and the future. Exactly, <laughs> And so I've become aware that mindfulness really helps me to remind myself that I cannot fix the world at 2 o'clock in the morning when my anxiety won't stamp up. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to do that. And Mm -hmm. I can remind myself of that and go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, when things are tough in my emotional state, it's it's now easier to say, hey, you know what, I can let go of that. I'm safe. I'm present. I'm happy, I'm healthy, and be able to take the next step forward. Yeah. I think I came across a quote by Eckhart Tolle that was like, nothing ever happened in the past or in the future. Things only ever occur in the present right. moment. It's a beautiful one. <laughs> so trying. That, just that recognition and awareness and to come back to that, that what's really happening is happening right now. And mm-hmm. if we get too esoteric, we can start analyzing that very thing. Sure. So um, mm-hmm. we have to stay in the moment without thinking too far about presence. Yeah, and and I feel like before we go too much further into that more abstract world, let's take a minute and identify like some of the strategies, concrete okay. strategies. I mean, you've touched on a few already, right. but I'd like to hear, you know, how do you practice mindfulness, <laughs> if we kind of call it a practice? How do you practice it in your day-to-day life? Um, and what are some of the other strategies that you can share with us that, you know, students or um, listeners can incorporate into their lives? A lot of times when people think of mindfulness, they do associate associate it with meditation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, meditation can be a strategy mm-hmm. for practicing mindfulness, but they are two separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, prayer can be a practice of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Journaling. 
recognition of your breath. You hear that too about just breathe in, breathe out. There's a reason the expression of count to 10 before you react to something ever happened Mm. because that does provide that pause and gives you a moment. So those are small strategies. Mm -hmm. With the breathing, it's really, there's the science behind deep inhale and exhale nice and slow through your nose. It really calms your sympathetic nervous system. And so that oxygen coming in nice and slowly, releasing back out nice and slowly, your nervous system catches on to that Mm -hmm. and can reduce the anxiety they might have built. That's so interesting. I just had this thought. It's almost, it's like a form of self-soothing. Yes. And it, it sort of makes me think of like when cats purr. Right. Purring is, doesn't that That's like heal the same kind themselves? Of it's healing yes. to them, but it's also healing to anyone who's Who around the cat. It's right. just such a soothing sensation. And mm-hmm. wow. And the rhythm, I guess the, con- the like rhythm. constant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's different, you know, ways that you can cue breath to work through that. And when I mm-hmm. learned about some breath work and yoga training, it was about, um, you know, some can be energizing, some can be relaxing, some mm. can um, reduce, you know, nasal congestion, yeah. <laughs> things like that. It's so, crazy. It's a whole other world, whole, I guess. Right. Aside from mm-hmm. breath work, really mindful observation is key, and that can go a lot of different ways. I like to think of it through senses, my mm-hmm. five senses, just being aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will go through through what I'm smelling, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm tasting, what I'm feeling. And I can do that all as quickly as I just said it. Mm-hmm. Or I can breathe into it and really relish in that moment to bring some calmness, to also to energize, to bring clarity, to provide reflection mm-hmm. um, before tackling a bigger type of day. I actually, okay. part of my routine in the mornings, before I ever even get out of bed, I am aware of where I am before I move my body Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of feel into the day, take a deep breath, and then recognize my senses, what's going on in my room, and then I proceed with the day. And that takes 10 seconds, maybe. Yeah. Um, If my alarm, if I wake up with my alarm, normally it's before. (laughs) But if it's it's when the alarm goes off, I'm aware, okay, alarm, turn off. Uh Uh-huh. And then that's my first sense. Okay, I've, I've noticed that in my hearing. Yep. I haven't operated on autopilot. I've acknowledged it. I haven't judged it. Mm. Um, and then I can get through the morning um, with a little more grace for myself and others mm. when I start the day like that. Yeah, I love that. Similar to what I do as I'm waking up in the morning, I like to lay in bed for a good 10 minutes <laughs> and um, and just kind of uh, come in into my body and like notice, this might sound crazy, but notice that I have limbs that I can move. Right. And, like I wiggle my toes and I'm like... <laughs> I'm so glad that I have legs and feet mm-hmm. and toes that I, that get me around. And right. it's just that momentary, like, taking notice of that, that for me just brings me such a sense of gratitude. Right. And that's a spiritual connection, really, with this whole mindfulness exercise, is that when you can pause and be grateful for your wiggling toes, you, the breeze that you've just noticed the smell of tea olives that are blooming, Mm -hmm. um, those things, you can really be grateful for those. And that is a spiritual connection. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Any other practices that you'd like to share with us? um, Gratitude is one of those, um, for sure. And journaling can also be a way of doing that. Um, Listening. Not a lot of people associate trying to practice their own mindfulness with listening, Mm. but especially as a professional and moving into professional careers, I think some of our best leaders are the best listeners. 
Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, listening is such an listening important skill is such a, as a leader. So I especially. think when you practice listening, and for those listening to this podcast that are students, you can practice it in class. Yeah. Sometimes you check out in yeah. class. And yeah. when you can bring yourself back to listening to your instructor or a peer that's presenting, um, that's a practice to stay engaged. Mm-hmm. And you might have to come up with some other listening strategies. I know one that I use is writing little tick marks and I know that might sound bizarre but the longer I can keep my eye contact I can just kind of tick my hand on Uh my paper Uh to make sure I'm paying attention now when you have an instructor that has slides or if you have even a worksheet or a lecture guide you can even walk along with the professor that way Uh um, and stay engaged listening Um, so when you practice listening you're practicing mindfulness how about that? So, I mean, these are things that we're, we're doing we do. without even right. realizing. That's what that. I say when I think about the definition is really you're cultivating this intention. I am intentionally engaged in this listening. That's the difference. And yeah. that's the mindfulness of it. Very cool. And I imagine that would also, some of those things that you just described would also help anyone who is challenged by like ADHD yes. tendencies or just the wandering mind and the stress yes. that's taking you off into thinking about a different class that you have a big paper to write right. or an exam coming up, but really coming back into mm-hmm. that here and now and then sort of having a way to track your engagement with your right. instructor or whatever else is going well, on Well, I think class. a lot of the educators here at our institution are trying to be better about that and really pausing in the middle of class and saying, okay, what are three things I just said? Oh, <laughs> um, and okay. being able to bring the students back in. Yeah. Well, and I teach in the law school, so we're used to the Socratic method, and they get called on, and so they're mm. aware that, oh, wait, that was my name. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, they are ready to respond. Well, that's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Any other practices or strategies to mention along those lines we yes. talked about? There are different listening. kinds of pauses to navigate through. I've mentioned the senses that I will take through. I also love mindful walking this mm. type of year, time of year oh. in particular. Yeah, springtime. Mm-hmm. And on this campus. It's gorgeous. It is. It really <laughs> it is. It really we is. We have to appreciate it because this, mm-hmm. mo- this moment is also fleeting. It's a kind of a reminder right. of that. Exactly. To be present today because you don't know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one of the things I like to do and we will do with groups of students every now and again is take walks um, on campus. And actually, I'll take off our shoes and just feel the grass. Love that. And just to guide through, okay, this is my foot hitting the ground. This is what the grass feels like. You can have your shoe on or off, really. Just to notice that walking sensation. I'll make sure that we notice the sounds, the breeze, the sun, all of those types of things. I also, this campus has a beautiful sunrise. Oh. I'm a morning person, so the sunrise here is amazing. Oh my goodness, I've never been here for a sunrise. It's gorgeous. So is the sunset. (laughs) I just happen to be the sunriser. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So um, just noticing the sunrise is something that you can do, or sunset. Mm -hmm. Noticing the moon. Mm. Um, Those are mindful strategies. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is really a practice of a body scan, like you noted. Mm -hmm. When you wake up in the morning, there's my toes, there's my legs, there I'm walking up. Oh, wait, my hair. Um, (laughs) Then you just body scan. There's also mindful eating, which I do less well at, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a great, mindful eating eating is really appreciating the senses of eating something. It doesn't have to be anything spectacular. It could be a peanut, a raisin, a bite of your apple. 
um, just to notice the sensation of it entering your mouth, mm-hmm. being aware as you're chewing it, rather than autopilot gobbling it up and letting it settle. Yeah. Um, it's really a matter of just enjoying it. The science shows that that is a great connection for your brain, mm-hmm. for your body, even for your digestive tract. When you're going mm-hmm. through things a lot slower, it can help as you digest food, that if you're really mindfully aware of what you're putting in and when you're putting it in. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, again, it's just like engaging your body in a more intentional way. So <laughs> it would make sense that your body then processes right. what you're introducing into it right. in, a, in a more healthy way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's these other mindful techniques that normally people will call meditation. I like to even call them contemplative prayer. Um, there's a couple of apps that I use. Insight Timer is one of those that if you look up prayer, the contemplative prayer, there'll be some uh, guided meditation around different verses of the Bible. There'll be different guided meditations around some sort of Buddhist theories, um, Dharma and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool to walk through that um, and you can set how long you want to sit there and um, listen and think about these types of verses and things, which I love. That's a strategy to Uh practice. Um, and what I did you say that was called again? Insight Timer. Insight Timer. And it's an app? It's an app. Okay. And then there's another one called 10% Happier. And mm. 10% Happier is the guy from ABC News Guy. So they're very, they're different. The 10% Happier approach is what I would say is probably more lighthearted and science-based. And Insight Timer can be more spiritual. It has some great science things as well. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for one of those, it's just... There's lots yeah, of different practitioners on site, Insight Timer and on 10% Happier. I'm just noticing it's interesting how mindfulness seems to kind of bridge to different world or what we would maybe traditionally consider very different worlds, you know, mm-hmm. science, psychology, mm-hmm. cognition, and then there's that whole connection to spiritual traditions. You right. mentioned Christianity, you mentioned Buddhism, and I'm sure, you know, all of them. nearly every spiritual mm-hmm. tradition Everything. has some sort of contemplative, meditative, you know, prayer right. type of practice that is, in a way, a, a type of mindfulness. It is a type of mindfulness, especially, again, when you go back to the definition of intention or awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to sit in a large group setting worship and listen to the prayer, but unless you're engaged in it, you're really not being intentional and mindful and, and taking advantage of that spiritual connection. Sometimes we can be, mm-hmm. and sometimes we might, might not be. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, great. So we've talked about some of the strategies, ways to practice it. We've talked about some benefits. And you've mentioned how you've incorporated this into some of your teaching, which, by the way, I would love to be a student in your class and get to go outside and take my shoes off and feel the grass. And now, now all of my students are going to be asking <laughs> go to for that. School. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'm due to take my class outside. I've, mm-hmm. I've wanted to. It's just a matter of, oh boy, I've got to plan for no PowerPoint on that day. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. hey, that's actually a good thing to do to step away from the screen from time mm-hmm. to time and just really embrace that, you know, human-to-human contact, which, of course, is important to me to begin with. But 
we do sometimes get into autopilot right. or routines where we rely on technology right. and forget that there are other ways of doing things. And the more I've been learning about learning, that's one of the things I'm really trying to shake up mm. is because we can learn so much from different things. Yeah. So and also different types of learners. Exactly. There may be more kinesthetic learners that right. would really benefit right. from. Right. They might remember something more because you were they were walking while thinking about it. Yeah. And actually, that just brought to mind kind of a... Um, an anecdote from my life, as you were describing some of the ways that we can engage our senses in an intentional way, I was remembering back when I was, I think, like 15 years old, I went on my first trip abroad. It was with a group from my high school. We went Mm -hmm. to Spain for like 10 days over Easter break. And our tour guide kind of had us do something similar to that each day. He focused, Mm -hmm. he helped us focus on like a different sense. And I very distinctly remember, since we were there over Easter, Easter Sunday, we were in Toledo, which is a very small, cute, Mm medieval-feeling town outside of Madrid. And the sense for that day was hearing. And so he had us, like, be really mindful and noticing, like, the sounds around us. And I remember it was really quiet on the streets that day because it was Easter morning. But at one point, we heard the church bells ring. And, I mean, it was just, like, I have chills just thinking about it. It was just one of those moments where we were just so in tune to each other and to our surroundings and to, like, this special experience that we were having. And, you know, I've carried that with me right. for the, the rest you of my life. You can even feel the vibration. Yeah, it's, I mean, I can, I can close my eyes right now and feel almost like I'm there because it was almost like my, my whole being, like, captured that moment in time because I was so present and so aware and just taking it in. Right. And I mentioned to you about the bells on our campus. Yes. That I love our bells. My office actually faces the bells, so I hear them really well. Um, and I actually told a student today about um, time management and how that can be a great strategy for your time management if you're working on campus because mm-hmm. it rings every 15 minutes. Then, of course, it'll have the long dings at the hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way to engage in, hey, okay, I'm here. I'm present. I've been focused for 15 minutes. Who knew mm-hmm. um, that I could do that? Or it's time for me to take a break. I've been focused yeah. for 15 minutes, and I know that anything I read beyond this point is not, I'm not going to be engaged with. Mm-hmm. So I need to take a break and then come back to it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that can be a great academic strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. I remind my students that, you know, t- time doesn't always equal quality Correct. when it comes to studying. <laughs> you know, how, how many times have you sat and, you know, looking, staring mm-hmm. down at a book or a piece of paper and you're like reading the words but not actually processing absolutely. them? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, you know, let's not waste our time studying, air quotes, uh-huh. when we're actually just staring at a paper. Maybe we'd be better off just taking a breather taking a walk around the quad. That's a mindful exercise. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. awesome. Another question for you is, I don't know if there are like institutions or universities that incorporate mindfulness kind of more on the institutional level. You're nodding yes, your head, so is. for our <laughs> listeners who can't see that, she's nodding. Yes, <laughs> there are. That's actually where some of my research has taken hold in the oh. last three or four years okay. um, to really that. understand that. Especially, Mine has been dedicated more to law schools, mm-hmm. but I've also started a program so I know more about what's happening in K through 12, plus... Uh, undergraduate institutions. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are many other schools that are incorporating these in small ways, whether it's just the professor, like I mentioned, pausing in the middle of class, taking a deep breath. I know one of the law school professors, an unexpected professor, 
begins his classes with a deep breath, reminding the students that they're in this class session right now. Today's Mm -hmm. Monday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that kind of thing, just to bring them into the awareness of the moment. So those small strategies, but there there are also some credited courses Mm. that universities are using really to bring about um, mental health and well-being, to have strong discussions about professionalism and ethics, mm-hmm. those types of things that can manifest from mindfulness practices. Okay. And what do you think would be the effects of more institutions, more universities or law schools um, implementing these programs on a more general scale? On a more general scale, I definitely see it being a benefit to mental health and well-being. Yeah. Uh, but just because my own personal experience, mm-hmm. and then I've also seen it in my daughters who are now teenagers Mm -hmm. that and there are stresses for teens and young people that I did not experience right um, at all and I realize having watched law students now for the last almost 15 years those stressors that they manifest and are holding on to are far different than the ones that I did back then Mm -hmm. and mindfulness can be a way for them to um, relieve some stress and anxiety of course with stress reduction, Mm -hmm. but also increase self-awareness, grit, resilience, Mm. um, all of those problem-solving kinds of skills Mm -hmm. that um, we as your educators want you to develop, especially at the higher education level where really your wings start to spread, and we want to give you strength in those wings, and mindfulness can kind of be that place. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, part of our our job here and what we're all trying to do is to, you know, prepare our students for being resilient Mm -hmm. and capable human beings. And this is an important part of their education, the emotional uh, component of that education, Mm -hmm. something that I definitely didn't, at least not that I'm aware of, experience when I was going through school. But like you said, there are new factors now, Mm -hmm. new stressors. It's a different climate than Mm -hmm. when we were going through school. And we need to have ways to adapt and to accommodate and to help prepare this generation Mm -hmm. for you know the rest of their lives essentially absolutely and we are the ones that need to change and shape we're always growing it's always this journey and I think absolutely um, we do everyone a disservice when we like think there's an end to this and there's some sort of maximum capability there's not it's It's ongoing yeah for sure. I love that. I mean, life is a journey. That's one of one of my mottos. And I'm constantly learning. I learn from my students. I learn from my yes. colleagues every day. And I think this is just another example of how we can, you know, adapt and learn from each other and mm-hmm. also look at the new research that's out there right. and incorporate that and, mm-hmm. and not stagnate, not, not become stagnate. complacent. Right. So would you say we're moving in that direction? I would as say a, as, as mm-hmm. our institution even is moving in that mm-hmm. direction, the faculty success collaborative is talking new ways to really support faculty in their mental health and well-being Mm -hmm. and to give um, opportunities for growth and connection amongst the faculty Mm -hmm. um, so that we can be better educators so that we can have that trickle down the ripple effect down to our students so I am I've been pleased by seeing that and um, hopefully we can keep digging a little bit more to have some more things brought to students um, in a collaborative way, but also in accredited way, pass-fail, cadres, workshops, mm-hmm. and things like that. And hey, could this be part of the solution to our, what's being called now our national health, uh, mental health right. crisis? You know, maybe, maybe this is one of the puzzle pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, um, 
let's take a quick pause right now. Oh, okay. look at that. Pause. <laughs> um, before we, we do a, a little mindfulness meditation. All right, so just to close us out, I'm going to um, lead in a mindfulness exercise. So it won't be long, um, but just notice where you are. If you're listening to this driving, don't close your eyes when I cue you to close your eyes. But you can be perfectly aware of your surroundings even when you're driving, and I can um, guide you through this a little bit to recognize your senses. All right, so just notice where you are. That's it. And then I want you to pay attention to where your breath is. You don't judge it, just notice it. And as you start to slow down and are aware of your presence, uh, your breath will slow down. It's just natural. It just will slow down because you're being aware of it. So just start to deepen it at your own pace, coming in and out your nose if possible, if that's not feel comfortable for you, by all means breathe how it's comfortable for you. Making each inhale a little bit longer. And as your body starts to calm, maybe you feel safe to close your eyes or at least soften your gaze as long as that's safe for you to do. Lengthening your inhale, maybe you notice the expansion of your chest maybe even your belly. And as you exhale, the deflation of your lungs. And just notice now your sense of taste. Without judgment, maybe you just notice that you brushed your teeth, you're chewing gum and gum, Maybe you just ate lunch or dinner or breakfast and you're just aware of the sensation in your mouth. And then come into the sensation of what you're touching, where you're sitting, maybe you're standing, maybe you're listening to this with your AirPods in and you're taking a walk. Just notice what it feels like with what your body is actually touching, the clothes against your skin, your shoes on your feet or your bare feet touching the floor. Maybe it's the tickle of your hair on the back of your neck or your earrings. It can even be the sensation of your breath coming in and out your nose. then move to the sensation of your smell, your sense of smell. And notice in your surroundings what you're smelling. Hopefully it's pleasant and you feel comfortable in that zone. It is the allergy season, so if you're outside and you're smelling some blooming flower, you might have a sensation to sneeze. Just noticing what you smell. And then come into noticing what you see. And if your eyes are closed, you can still see a little flicker behind your eyelids. Maybe there's shapes, and when you concentrate, you can actually see some glimmer flitting. 
behind your eyelids. Don't concentrate so hard. Just let it be a gentle awareness of what kind of light and shimmers and shapes go behind your eyelids. And if your eyes are open, taking in the colors around you. Noticing your breath and letting your thoughts come back to your senses every time they wander. And for the last sense, we'll go into that sense of hearing because I do find that listening is such an important skill. That sense of hearing is important. I normally save it for last when I practice this for that reason. To come into what I'm hearing. Maybe it's the hum of the air conditioner. Maybe it's a breeze or a bird. Maybe it's your cat, your dog. Maybe it's a squeaky chair. Just noticing what you hear. And breathing into that and you can hear the sound of your breath and for the next couple of breaths try to be hyper attuned to all five senses at one time without overdoing it without any judgment just bring your awareness and focus into all five senses so that you're celebrating each one in this moment And then for this next inhale, take it as deep as you possibly can and hold it at the top. And as you're holding it, let your mind come to three things that you're grateful for. And as you exhale, just release that beautiful good gratitude out into the universe and come back into your own natural breath, maybe feeling a little bit better sense of calm a little more connection and awareness to yourself and maybe to those things that are around you. And that's a mindful practice. Wow. I feel like I'm floating right now. Oh, <laughs> Is that how it's supposed it's to feel? Yeah, it can feel anyway. There's no judgment. It can feel anyway. It's just about the noticing. Wow. Again, just that recognition of intention. And that was just a way to cultivate that intentional pause. So send out. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lynn. This has been awesome. absolutely wonderful. Thanks. And I, I think our listeners gained a lot from this. So thanks for joining thanks. us and taking your time. And please come back All again. Right. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I certainly got a lot out of it. And uh, since I recorded it with her, I've already begun employing some of the strategies that she shared with us. Taking that pause doing some deep breathing. And I actually took my class outside a few days ago just to switch it up, just to break from that routine and to remember where we are and to be fully present and enjoy the sensations of our surroundings. So I think my students appreciated that as well. Um, A big thank you once again to Lynn Hogwood for sharing her time and wisdom with us. If you enjoyed listening to this, then don't forget to share it with a friend or a family member who might also benefit from some of these ideas. And thank you for joining me, and I will talk to you next time. 
Hey, before you go, if you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or follow me on Spotify. And you can also follow me on Instagram at life.betweenclasses for podcast updates and other related content. Thanks for joining us for Life Between Classes, where we know that there's more going on than meets the eye.